Learning from Crisis, Engineering a Safer Future. A global conversation with senior leaders to explore the impact of COVID-19 across key aspects of the world. Discovering what we can learn from disruption to create positive, transformative change. This podcast series is brought to you by The Resilient Shift, an initiative of Lloyd's Register Foundation and Arab. The theme for this podcast is public understanding of risk. It's an area that affects all aspects of safety across the world. Who do people trust and who are people going to listen to? The coronavirus pandemic has highlighted that understanding how people perceive and react to risk is more important than ever. There's things that we can do if we learn from the situation that we're currently in and work harder to communicate risks appropriately to different parts of society. The ideas and observations you'll be hearing about are based on a series of discussions which were led by Dr Juliet Mian, who's the Deputy Director of The Resilient Shift. This initiative helps to ensure the safety and continuity of the critical systems that we all depend on. These are systems that provide essential energy, water, transport and communication services and underpin food, healthcare and education. The initiative works with people and organisations from all over the world. Juliet begins by explaining more about public understanding of risk and why it's such an important area. Risk is a very technical subject, but actually what's really important is how the public understand that risk because it's all about people's reactions, people's behaviours as to how we manage and, and understand that risk. So we had a really interesting conversation using everything that has happened around COVID to get into the depth of how the public understands risks, how leaders and governments have communicated with the public over COVID and got into some really interesting aspects around what we learn from that to move us towards a you know a positive future building on those lessons. We covered all sorts of topics from you know the difference between different countries in how they dealt with this, right down to conspiracy theories and, and why they're even a thing. These discussions bring together leading researchers and global experts who are part of the Lloyd's Register Foundation community. The foundation is an independent global charity that supports research, innovation and education to make the world a safer place. Here are some of the discussion highlights. It was felt that COVID-19 has emphasised more than ever the importance of improving our knowledge of public understanding of risk. The way all of us have reacted to this crisis and the extent to which we've been prepared to follow safety measures and policies has played a crucial role in handling this pandemic across the world. Countries such as Singapore, where the risk factors have been communicated well, have fared much better than those that have not. Dr Ko Chang-Gi is a Professor of Civil Engineering at the National University of Singapore and the Director of Lloyd's Register Foundation's Institute for the Public Understanding of Risk. He said that Singapore had learnt a great deal from its previous experience of SARS. I think one of the lessons we learned is every pandemic is different. 
For SARS, it was a uh, mortality rate is much higher, but it's not as infectious as uh, this uh, COVID-19. So Singapore was more prepared for another pandemic than many other parts of the world. For instance, many of its organisations had put regular remote working and e-learning drills in place so that they'd be ready to adapt to another crisis quickly. Crucially, people also have a high level of confidence in the open and transparent way that the government puts across key messages in Singapore. This includes being prepared to acknowledge when necessary if any mistakes have been made. There's a very high level of trust in the government, uh, not just in this, in many other things. They had learned from SARS, they already had like, like in the university, we have a drill, like an e-learning week. Everybody has to uh, learn from home you know, you know, and, and do the e-learning e- and uh, things like that. Changi also said he hopes that this pandemic will lead to longer-term changes in attitudes to health. For instance, that it's better to stay at home rather than struggling to work when feeling unwell. Dr Tim Slingsby is the Director of Skills and Education at Lloyd's Register Foundation. He was the co-moderator for this discussion alongside Juliet. Tim said that in many countries there was a failure to fully explain to people that the pandemic was, and still is, a constantly evolving scenario. So in terms of getting key messages across to the public, this sometimes resulted in a lack of cooperation when safety measures and social distancing restrictions needed to be quickly updated and changed. A lesson I'm learning from COVID or a lesson that's been hammered home from COVID is that whilst trust in science and scientists might be relatively high, the understanding of science is still relatively low. You know, people not quite getting the scientific process of just finding out more and complaining about the scientific advice changing, whether it's from WHO or a chief scientific advice or whatever it is, the acceptance that science can develop and understanding, therefore, can develop is not quite there in the public mindset, I think. The discussion also focused on the importance of improving our understanding of how people in different parts of the world perceive and react to risk. In 2019, Lloyd's Register Foundation commissioned the global analytics and advice firm Gallup to carry out the groundbreaking World Risk Poll, the first ever global study of the public understanding of risk. The sample of people interviewed is representative of more than 95% of the world's population. Andrew Zepper is a partner at Gallup. Ultimately, we've actually managed to provide a real snapshot of the way the world was going into the pandemic. So to actually have such a clean data set of the way the world was going in is incredibly useful. So you can actually start to talk about some of these underlying inequalities, these underlying dynamics, which were pre-existing in advance of the the pandemic. So by showing what the day-to-day concerns are of people all over the world and how they can differ, the World Risk Poll also provides invaluable insight into issues that could therefore be exacerbated during a crisis such as this pandemic. For instance, the poll indicated that 14% of the world's working population do not feel that they can discuss lack of safety at work without fear of recrimination from their employers. Andrew explains why this type of example can be so illuminating. In some countries, we saw in Pakistan, that that's over 50%. So over half of the workers believe that they can't report safety issues. 
that's something which is very much a key attitude. And so ultimately, if we are looking to try and curb the spread of the pandemic within these countries, these are also key things that we need to think about within kind of workplaces, because ultimately it's those employees who are also going to have to essentially try and support the implementation of those protective measures. And if they don't feel that they've got sufficient voice to their employers, then that raises serious questions. The discussion also examined how across the world, people's social and economic circumstances can affect their reaction to and perception of risk. Dr Hanya Farham is also from Gallup and is leading the research side of the Public Understanding of Risk project with Lloyd's Register Foundation. No matter where you are, in every country and across countries, it is the economically vulnerable who suffer most. They worry more, they face more risks, they experience more risks. Hanya said that putting more effort into tackling global inequality would play a vital role in reducing the negative impact of future crises. Hanya went on to say that the research she's involved in indicates that messages to the public about risk are more likely to be listened to if they're put across by voices that are trusted. These voices are more likely to be figures such as community leaders, local doctors and nurses, and even well-known famous people rather than politicians. In addition, Hanya says that expert advice and opinion is often put across in an inaccessible way. So it's all about how do we, the public, react? How do we understand the messages? Who do we trust? And then what do we do? This is a disease or a crisis that was dependent on how the public acted. Containment, don't go exposing others, etc. We need to understand who the public trusts. We're still hearing scientists, governments, talking to the public using percentages. We know people find percentages very difficult to understand. Actually, we found that people understand far better frequencies if you say one in five, one in 10. It isn't that people are too stupid to understand, not at all. Risk is so subjective. Tracy Brown is the director of Sense About Science, an independent campaigning charity that advocates openness about research and challenges misrepresentation of science and evidence. Tracy feels COVID-19 has highlighted that many people across the world do not feel valued or included in decision-making. She says it's vital for public engagement that we address this because people who feel excluded are much more likely to embrace controversial ideas such as social media anti-vaccination campaigns and conspiracy theories about COVID-19, including claims that the virus is a hoax or is linked to 5G technology. So looking to the future, the sort of element of disengagement is my biggest concern. And what does that actually mean? And can we make new ways in which we do engage people? Because I'm just concerned that people are losing confidence in certain institutions in certain countries. I think in five years time, one of the things we're all going to be battling with is a deepening of people's disengagement and sort of a sense that society serves different people's interests and that the best you can do is try and just get on with your own life. Conspiracy stuff is, is actually 90% of what people worry about on the conspiracy things is a lot of it is just simply people saying, you know, it, it, it's a club and we ain't in it. During this pandemic, we've seen a number of examples of how crisis can exacerbate feelings of disengagement. 
For instance, in the UK, social inequality was highlighted through the campaign led by footballer Marcus Rashford to gain more support for children from lower-income families. And in the United States, there was the Black Lives Matter movement, which quickly gained momentum across other parts of the world. This online discussion forms the basis of an insight report, which covers the points made in more detail. We'll be providing information on where you can find this report at the end of this podcast, but it's hoped that everyone will be able to benefit from the ideas and suggestions made. Juliet gives us her closing thoughts on public understanding of risk and the impact of COVID-19. Talking about understanding of risk and one of the fundamentally important aspects of that that came from the whole group is understanding who you're talking to. Who do you want to understand the risk? And I think a key message that came from Hania, with all of these risks, it is the most vulnerable who will suffer most. So I think for us to to understand that point and not only communicate to those that are easy to reach, but to work really hard on, on the vulnerable parts of community and understanding and dealing with inequality so that, you know, we need to create a more resilient society to deal with pandemics and other shocks and stresses. And we have to bring everyone with us in that. Whilst members of the public do believe in science and they believe in scientists, but actually understanding some of these scientific concepts and principles is at quite a low level. They they are difficult issues For those of us who aren't working day in, day out in the field of science, you know, maybe that message gets forgotten, but it's been really important from COVID. And there were great conversations around how different world leaders have treated this differently between acting straight away and waiting until there was a lot more evidence until they acted. And, And again, you can see playing out the different consequences of those types of approaches. We had some great conversations around using evidence, using data to inform decisions, but also that sometimes in periods of crisis, decisions have to be made anyway, and the evidence won't be perfect. Something that has been seen with COVID is if we wait to see how infectious and dangerous COVID is, there will be a lot of deaths. If we make a decision early, then many deaths and fatalities can be avoided. There's a really strong analogy between this and climate change. If we wait to see all the evidence and proof of the consequences of climate change, we will be too late. And unlike COVID, there won't be a vaccine, there won't be a cure. So learning from those lessons and building on them over the coming years, I think, is really important. You've been listening to Learning from Crisis, Engineering a Safer Future. Brought to you by The Resilient Shift, an initiative of Lloyd's Register Foundation and Arab. A more detailed insight report based on this discussion is available on the Resilient Shift website, resilientshift.org.